The reading comes from the letter of St. Paul to the Colossians, chapter 1, beginning at verse 15. Jesus is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things were created by him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behaviour, but now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. If you continue in your faith, established and firm, not moved from the hope held out in the gospel, this is the gospel that you hear, heard, and that has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven, and of which I, Paul, have become a servant. Now I rejoice in what was suffered for you, and I fill up my flesh what is still lacking in regard to Christ's afflictions, for the sake of his body, which is the church. I have become its servant by the commission God gave me to present to you the word of God in its fullness, the mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations, but is now disclosed to the saints. To them, God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. We proclaim him, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom, so that we may present everyone perfect in Christ. To this end I labour, struggling with all his energy, which so powerfully works in me. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Good evening, everyone. Let's pray together. Father God, as we come to your word, we are looking forward to next weekend when Joe and Sean come back from their sabbatical and are with us. But we just want to thank you for the last three months and for the brilliant way that Paul has led us in so many different ways. We thank you for the blessing we as a church have experienced in these past weeks. And tonight, Father, as we come to your word, we pray that you would open our hearts and speak to us as you want. May we hear and respond to your glory. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, I want to look very briefly this evening at just two of the verses that Norman read to us, verses 24 and 25, and I'll read those to you in a moment. 
And I want us to look at Paul's suffering, at his presentation of the gospel, and at his rejoicing. Now, there's a story told of an indigenous missionary who walked barefoot from village to village preaching the gospel in India. He endured every kind of hardship, and after one particular long day, walking many miles and much discouragement, he came to a village, and he tried to speak the gospel to those who were there, but he was driven out, and he was rejected. So he went to the edge of the village, and exhausted and dejected, he lay down under a tree and went to sleep. When he woke up, he was aware that there were people sort of hovering over him and the whole town had gathered around and was standing around looking at him. And he was a bit alarmed at this and the head of the village explained that they'd come to look at him while he was sleeping. And what they saw as he was sleeping was his blistered feet. And they concluded that because of the state of his feet, he must be a holy man and that they were wrong to have rejected him. And they were sorry and they wanted to hear the message that he wanted to bring, the message that he had suffered so much to bring to them. This was an evangelist who filled up the afflictions of Jesus with his blistered feet. Let me just read those verses, Colossians 1, 24 and 25. Paul says, now I rejoice in what I'm suffering for you and I fill up in my flesh what is still lacking in regard to Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, which is the church. I have become its servant by the commission God gave me to present to you the word of God in its fullness. As I read those words, I wonder if it strikes you as odd that Paul should say that there is something lacking in Christ's suffering. There is something lacking in Christ's suffering. Surely there is nothing lacking in what Christ suffered. He took the whole weight of our sin physically, emotionally and spiritually. He was crucified. He was separated from the love of his Father. What could Paul possibly think was missing from Christ's sufferings? Well, there is a difference. A difference between Christ's sufferings and Paul's sufferings. Christ suffered... To gain our salvation. Paul is suffering to make that salvation known. Jesus suffered on Calvary to enable us to be reconciled with God and Paul is suffering for that message to be made known. Do you remember Paul in Romans 10 and 14 says, how can they call on the one they've never believed in and how can they believe in one whom they have not heard and how can they hear without someone preaching to them? There are two aspects of salvation, Christ's work in achieving it and our work through the power of the Holy Spirit in making it known. Christ suffered to achieve it and we suffer in making it known. Suffering is part of what it means to daily take up our cross and follow Jesus. You remember Jesus' words in Matthew 5, blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. Paul knew something of that. 
And Paul was expecting it from the outset. Do you remember after the Damascus Road experience, God told Ananias that Paul is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles. And listen to this, I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. Suffering is part of what it means to daily take up our cross and follow Jesus. So what is it that Paul is suffering to do? What's he trying to achieve? I'm just going to read those verses again. And as I do, see if you can detect what it is that he is actually doing. What is it that he's trying to achieve? He says, I rejoice in what I'm suffering for you, and I fill up in my flesh what is still lacking in regard to Christ's affliction for the sake of his body, which is the church. I have become its servant by the commission God gave me to present to you the word of God in its fullness. What's Paul asked to do? He's asked to present. To present the word in all its fullness. Christ's love offering to the world lacks nothing, except it needs to be personally presented. And personal presentation isn't just about delivering a message, it's about sharing in the suffering of Christ ourselves. People don't just hear about Jesus, they see Jesus in us, we make him real. Christ's suffering shows us how much God loves us, and the cross shows us how much God loves us, and the sacrificial love of a Christian sharing the gospel shows how much God loves us. His sufferings are completed in our suffering. Because in ours, the world sees his. We present, we show the love of God in a tangible way. Paul knows an example of this in uh, Philippians. He writes to the Philippians about one of their representatives, a man named Epaphroditus. He was sent by the church in Philippi to Paul to encourage him and to bring him gifts. And that journey to Paul nearly killed Epaphroditus. And Paul, in that man, saw how much the church in Philippi loved him by sending him as a personal representative, somebody who was willing to suffer so much to accomplish their task. Personal sacrifice shows how important the issue is. Isn't that the principle behind modern sponsorship? Hypothetically, I might run a marathon. And hypothetically, it's all right for Paul, but for me it's hypothetical. I might run a marathon for a cause that I deeply believe in. And because I suffer in doing that, it shows you how valuable that cause is to me and how much I want, how much I want you to sponsor me for that cause. That's personal presentation. It's personal involvement. It's personal sacrifice. And this is what Paul was called to do. And his calling, his sacrifice, gives his message such credibility. In in a way, Paul was living out the words of Jesus when Jesus said, whoever wishes to save his life will lose it. And whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospel's shall save it. So Paul is willing to suffer. It's a choice he makes. 
and his suffering gives credibility to the gospel message. He presents personally the love and suffering of Christ for our salvation. But I want you to notice there's another word in verse 24, and it's the word rejoice. I rejoice. I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake. The road is a painful one, but it's not a one without reward. Where is Paul writing this letter? He's writing it from jail. But yet he's rejoicing, rejoicing because he has the honour of sharing in Christ's sufferings. Why do we rejoice in suffering? Because great is that reward in heaven. 2 Corinthians 4.17 For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. Christ chose suffering. Paul chose suffering. And God invites us to choose suffering, to take up our cross, to deny ourselves and to be a living sacrifice to present his suffering to the world. Belinda and I have some um, friends from way back, a German couple called Gerhard and Brigitte Stamm. And for the last 30 years, they've served as missionaries in Papua New Guinea. They live in the most primitive area in rural conditions And they have sacrificed everything to present the gospel to indigenous tribes living in the rainforests there. Two weeks ago, Gerhardt was taking a group of 14 local teenagers on a trek in the highlands there. And they were crossing a small ravine which was bridged by a fallen tree trunk. And as they walked across this tree trunk, Gerhardt slipped and fell. But he appeared to be okay and they carried on walking for about another hour. He then made a campfire to cook lunch. But afterwards he began to feel tired and he decided that he would lie down. And within a couple of minutes he died. Time doesn't permit me to tell you the rest of the story but Brigitte, who had sacrificed so much in her life, in her work there, in Papua New Guinea to present the gospel in that sparse and distant place had added to that loss the loss of her husband quite suddenly, quite unexpectedly. And those words of Jesus came to me as I heard about this. Whoever wishes to save his life will lose it. And whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels shall save it. This coming Saturday in Germany will be Gerhardt's funeral. But here is the thing. Gerhardt had a motto by which he lived his life. It's not a quote and it's not a Bible text, but it's this. Four simple words. Follow Jesus, no compromise. Follow Jesus, no compromise. That was his motto. That's how he lived his life. And I wonder this evening if we can adopt that as our motto. Follow Jesus, no compromise. Can we choose to take Jesus' invitation to present the gospel and to suffer with him in that presentation? As we in a moment share bread and wine, which are the symbols of Christ's suffering, are we 
prepared to commit ourselves to walk the road that he walked, to share in his sufferings, to present his gospel, and to know his joy. And we prepare to follow Jesus, no compromise. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we know that it's a road that doesn't seem very appealing when you call us to suffer. But Father, we thank you that what we are doing is we are sharing in your sufferings. We are part of your body. And as your physical body here on earth suffered, so we, your spiritual body, will suffer too. Lord, we pray that we may both have the dedication and the courage to follow Jesus, no compromise, and to do so knowing that great is that reward in heaven. Lord, we pray that you would help us in our weakness and help those who suffer to know the strength of your Holy Spirit and to be overcomers in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you, Nigel. We're going to sing our next hymn now, which uh, was written by Charlotte Elliott, who was someone else who gave up her life completely for the sake of the gospel. Just as I am without one plea, but that thy blood was shed for me. And that thou bidst me come to thee, O Lamb of God, I come. Do stand with me to sing.